Well, hey there. Happy Friday. You know what this means, right? Yeah, the weekend's coming, but also it's time for another edition of the Speaking for Him podcast. I'm Adam McNutt alongside the host of the program, Mr. Andrew Gomison. Hello, Adam. It's great to be with you. And as those who listen to the show with any regularity know, we like to spotlight um, especially like uh, movies um, and things like that in the entertainment uh, world that <laughs> that will help us. To get a good perspective on our Christian life and, and help us along that journey. And so today we are going to talk about an upcoming uh, project. And uh, I'm very excited about that. And uh, we're going to talk to um, John Hewlett, who is the marketing director of Visible Pictures, about a new movie coming out called I Am Not Ashamed. But before we do that, we have a couple other things to do. First, Adam's going to give us a quote of the day. All right. And this here comes from God's Word. It's Romans 1.16. It says here, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. And just to give a little bit of background on this I Am Not Ashamed movie project, which comes out on, I believe, uh, April 20th of next year, uh, this story uh, is basically the story of Rachel Scott, a young lady who was killed for her faith at Columbine High School on April 20th, I believe 1999. We're going to get more details from John. But before we do that, let's um, run a teaser trailer for the film I Am Not Ashamed. to Rachel Joy Scott and will someday touch millions of people's hearts. Columbine High in Littleton, Colorado this time on the edge of Denver. It has been a horror. April 20th, 1999. Two teenage boys entered their high school with guns and homemade bombs. They murdered 12 classmates and one teacher before turning their guns on themselves. The first student murdered that day was Rachel Joy Scott. She was sitting outside when she was wounded by her approaching killers. They knew Rachel. They were in classes together. Rachel had even shared her faith in Jesus with them. With a gun pointed at her head, they mocked. Do you still believe in your God? She simply replied, you know that I do. The last words she heard in this world were, then go be with him. Most people remember where they were that day. For Benny Prophet, he was driving into Littleton, Colorado with a team of 40 Christian students from all across America. They were scheduled to do an assembly in Columbine High School just two days after the shooting. I believe that it was God's divine plan for us to be at Columbine that week. A year later, I had the opportunity to meet Beth Nemo, Rachel's mother. Beth and her family had been traveling across America telling this incredible story of this young girl. Well, I found out how amazing my daughter was. After her death, she left uh, many, many journals. For years, uh, she had been drawing and writing and journaling her life experiences, how she felt. I was very humbled by Rachel's writings. I was, I was very humbled because I realized there was real greatness in this little girl that the Lord had given me for 17 years. 
one of the things that was very wonderful about her, she was very transparent and honest with those feelings. And as a result, we found that so many people could connect to her and relate to her. From that, we found out that she had a deep love for the Lord. And it was her desire and her goal and destiny in life to tell people about Christ. Beth has asked me to help her produce a movie on Rachel's life. And so we have started producing a full-length feature film on Rachel's life. The film will be released April the 20th in 2016. That's the 17th anniversary of Columbine. And it'll be the story of a 17-year-old girl who came to a place in her life where she was unashamed of her faith in Christ. She was unashamed to tell other people about Jesus. I'm Not Ashamed is the story of hope inside the tragedy of Columbine. It's the incredible true story of Rachel Joy Scott drawn from her own writings, a teenage girl who wanted to touch the world for Jesus. In order to make this vision a reality, we need your help. Help us to raise $1.5 million to tell Rachel's story in a full-length feature film. We have an incredible production team, a powerful script, and a cast we're excited to announce very soon. And with your support, we can get this film made and in theaters around the country where it can inspire millions of people. One year to the day before the Columbine shooting, Rachel wrote in her journal, I am not going to apologize for speaking the name of Jesus. I will not hide the light that God has put in me. If I have to sacrifice everything, I will. In a time when the Christian faith is being challenged more than ever, an older generation needs to be reminded, and a new generation needs to be told that we cannot be ashamed to speak the name of Jesus. At nine years old, Rachel had a vision that her life would one day touch millions of people's hearts. And with your help, it will. We ask you to pray for us on this very important journey to tell the story of Rachel Joy Scott. All right. Well, there you have just a little sampling of of this what this project I am not ashamed uh, is hoping to become. And we are privileged now to have the marketing director of Visible Pictures, uh, Mr. John Hewlett. Um, uh, to sit down with us for a few minutes to talk about this project. Welcome, John. Thank you very much, Andrew. Thank you for inviting me. It is a privilege to be on your program. Uh, well, I'm I'm very excited. I've be, I've become uh, loosely acquainted with John over the years through my uh, involvement uh, with WJQ and working at the studio here. But this is the first time we've talked in person, so I'm excited about that. Um, so. John, just to start out, can you tell us a little bit about your work background leading up to this point? Uh, yes. Um, um, a good friend of mine, Benny Prophet, he has, he's the founder of First Party of America, and I met Benny Prophet in 1999, September of 1999, when he came to Grand Rapids with the What's Up America tour. He actually was traveling in four motorhomes and six cars with 40 teenagers and their leaders. And um, that's very significant in that he was scheduled to be at Columbine High School two days after the shooting. Because of a schedule conflict, he showed up on the day of the shooting. And so if you remember any of the news footage, it shows a group of people back over the crosses, that were on a hill. That was Benny Prophet. And over the years, Benny Prophet developed a relationship with Beth Nemo, 
Rachel Scott's mother. And, of course, Rachel wrote journals, and uh, the journals um, were not made aware to her parents. They discovered them after her death. And Beth wanted a real-life story told about her daughter, Rachel Scott. And there's a lot about her. There's an anti-bullying campaign. I mean, she gets a two and a half million hits on her website. There's a lot about her, but nothing about really her real life. And so Benny committed to that project about seven years ago, and it's now has resulted in that movie actually being filmed as we speak on location in Nashville, Tennessee. The yeah. story of Rachel Scott is taken from her journal, and that's the basis of the whole story. Yeah, and I've I've seen some of the pictures that have been posted and and seen some of the detail that you have put out there about the filming and been praying for the project, so I'm excited to at least play a small part in helping uh, to bring it to pass. And uh, But I was just um, curious... How did you um, become the marketing director for this film? Well, Benny Proffitt and I have been friends over the years. Uh, this campaign that came to Grand Rapids in September 1999, I was on a volunteer youth committee, and uh, I heard about this this uh, tour, and they had a canceled week, and I suggested to our group that we ought to do that. And some pushback there because we had to feed and, and provide lodging for 40 people. But my assignment was to uh, take Bernie Proffitt back to the hotel every night. And Benny Proffitt, for those who know him well, never sleeps. He would keep me awake and he would say, John, I know you're a happy salesman, but do you want to sell widgets or save kids? And so he began to shift my mind and my thinking and after 30 years of marketing, I joined Billy Snyder and his ministry, Go Tell Ministries, got on the phone and scheduled him from California to New York and traveled with him for three years. Benny got me involved in youth ministry. And then I went on to become the director of First Party in Grand Rapids and then Action Wyoming uh, until I retired in 2010. And so Benny and I, we kept in real close contact. Uh, I went to work for World Mission. Um, Greg Kelly drew me out of retirement in 2013, and I did a tour down south, and on the way back, I stopped in Nashville, and Benny Prophet wanted to talk to me, and so he laid out to me this vision of a movie, and with a producer, a guy named Chuck Howard, and uh, so I committed to get World Mission involved. They have a downloadable app, and we were going to promote the treasure in that way. Uh, but it came the right time where Benny and I talked again, and he asked me if I would come to Nashville and meet with a group of people. And I did, and those conversations led to him asking me to lead the national marketing campaign to get this movie in up to 25,000 communities. Benny Prophet never has small visions. And so uh, I prayed about it checked with all my spiritual authorities. It was all unanimous. And so in the middle of June, I began formally on this project. And uh, so that's sort of how that all came about. Now, 
Here's a caveat to this. I thought I retired in 2006. <laughs> you, see, you see, I'm 71 years old. And uh, after 20 years of youth outreach work, I'm still doing it. And a friend of mine, Rick, Rick Oppenheiser, describes me as the world's oldest youth pastor. Uh, I don't know exactly what he means by that, but uh, I'll, I'll accept that. I'll accept that. So <laughs> uh, I'm just passionate about, I'm passionate about middle and high school students because they are our next generation. And Benny Prophet, one of his great statements is, he who wins the next generation wins. And so if we can do something then to attack the values of how they live out their life, it will then be salt and light in all that they do in their life, and perhaps we will have a chance of our country turning around. That is so true. Um, I really like that quote. I may even use that on the blog because that is that's a very – it's a short but profound statement. He who wins, the next generation wins. And we don't realize a lot of times the different polls for the next generation. And, you know, when I was a kid growing up, I thought, well, I'm always going to be a kid. And I'm not going to have to worry about adult things. I mean, I didn't literally think this, but this was a thought process that I would often have. And now I kind of feel some days like I blinked and now I'm an adult and I you know, need to need to be a leader in this generation um, to help people continue to seek God. Because we can see in the scriptures that it only takes one generation for a nation to forget God, as the children of Israel did. And so certainly the children of the United States of America can do the same. And so part of my mission with speaking for him is to make sure that as long as I'm alive, that doesn't happen. Um, so I definitely... Amen. I definitely resonate with a lot of what you're saying. Adam, do you have any questions for John? I do, and this is a super not deep one at all, but since you've been in Christian ministry for so many years, how did you, John, personally come to know Christ, and what has that meant for your Christian growth to be able to work in this ministry? Uh, I came to Christ when I was uh, age 14. Uh, I was the son of a pastor in Kentucky, Pilgrim Holmes Church, which is one of the precessors, uh, precessors to the Westside Church. And uh, for many years, I heard my father and my brother preach about Christ, and I always rejected him. But it was so unusual in 1958, as a pastor, after 25 years, my mother and father divorced. And you see, our, our house was always connected to the church. Hmm. And I was, I was the last of four boys, and so I was sent away to a Christian high school, God's Bible School, uh, and missionary training home. And that's where I lived for five and a half years. And uh, they always had a fall and a, and, a, and a spring revival. Well, the fall revival came around, and I began to hear the gospel. But prior to then, I was so angry at my parents. And so angry at my brother, one brother, for divorcing, for putting me in this situation. I hated everybody. I came to the school. I addicted to two packs of cigarettes at 14. I was already a juvenile delinquent. And it's just God's grace that he sent me there because had he not, I would have been, I would have mentors like I mentor, okay? I have mentored a lot of gang members. That's where I was headed. And as a result of that, I got caught in school smoking, and I snuck off campus to go see 
Marilyn Monroe and bus stop. And so I got 45 demerits. My seven friends were picked out of school with 50 demerits. But you know when this preacher came around, and I'll just use some old terminology here, he shook me over hell. <laughs> <laughs> and, I, and I heard the gospel really for the first time. It didn't come from my dad. It didn't come from my brother. And I became a Christian at age 14, and my entire life turned around. And I became a model student, and we couldn't do it a lot of They didn't believe in sports and all those things. I pursued music and uh, never was called to preach. Stayed there five and a half years, a uh, year and a half of college. Then I transferred to Wassell College, which was the liberal arts college then for the uh, Wesleyan Church. And there I, there I met my wife and... Uh, Graduated with a religion degree, never called to preach. And spent four years as a youth pastor, 30 years in sales, 20 years in youth outreach work. And I've never been, I've never been called to the ministry per se. But I had this passion for middle and high school students because I remembered how it was with me. You see, I, I was from a Christian home. Hey, I could act this thing out really good. Okay, we had to. Or my dad didn't have a job, and uh, and but boy, I tell you when 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 God really got a hold of it, okay, then things changed, and the whole thing turned around. Well, that that's a great story, and I really enjoy hearing how other people come to know the Lord, um, because there's only one way to heaven, but there's a lot of different journeys that get us to that point. And so I really appreciate hearing your story. All right. So as we get back to I Am Not Ashamed, um, if, mm -hmm. how can we uh, help in this project? Okay. Well, let, let me tell you just a little bit more about the project, okay? Okay. Um, first of all, it's not a story about Rachel Scott's death. It's a story about her life. And she was a normal teenager. She wasn't a neat church kid, okay? She, there will be scenes in this movie of her drinking in the woods, smoking cigarettes in the smoking pit at school. You know, she's boy crazy. And, and, but all the time she was writing journals and she was struggling with her faith. And at one point her friend led her to Christ. And then she began to pursue, pursue Jesus. And uh, she began then to share faith with the students of Columbine, including her two killers. And um, at one point, actually, it was one year to the date that she was killed, April 20th, 1998. She basically wrote in her journal, I'm trying to share my faith. My friends now have become enemies. Everybody's leaving me. But she said, I refuse to be ashamed of the name of Jesus. And if it costs everything, so be it. And one year later, it did. Wow. And so it is about a girl struggling with her faith. But she was able to develop the courage, even though she was wounded, to say, you know I believe in God. Here's how it happened. Eric and uh, I can't think of the other guy. Uh, they had set a bomb in the 
lunchroom of the school. And their plan was when that bomb went off, all the kids would run outside, and they positioned themselves over here by the bushes so they could be snipers and shoot them as they come out. Mm. But the bomb didn't go off. So they see they started shooting going into the school. Rachel was on the lawn with a friend of hers. And that friend was a young man that was going through a divorce with his family, and it really hurt. Rachel had gone through a divorce. So she opted to eat outside that day to serve the young man. And so the killers started shooting their AK-47s. And the first person they hit was Rachel, but they didn't kill her. So one of the killers came up with his handgun, took her by the hair, put the gun to her head and said, do you believe in God now? And she said, you know I do. And the killer said, well, you're going to go meet him and shot her in the head. Mm. And so she became actually the first martyr. There were, there were other, uh, lots of other kids killed that day. And well, she wasn't the only one. Uh, but she was such a, a lovely person in her face. She always reached out to those who were troubled, and those who were, had ginger issues, bullying issues, very unpopular. And she reached out and loved to them. In fact, Mr. Prophet told me about the scene recently that they filmed at the school in Nashville. They brought back her car and to, to park it in the parking lot. And during the shooting, that became a memorial. Students would bring flowers to that car, and they would talk to Rachel about how much they loved her, how much she loved them, and to thank them. Thank her for all that she did. And it was so moving that Mr. Prophet said, the cameramen, a lot of the actors looking on, the crew members, I mean, it was 104 degrees that day. And there are just tears running down their cheeks, dropping and steaming on the concrete because of that scene of who Rachel was to those students. So she was not only a martyr, but she was a model student that reached out in love to others. And so the story then is about her not being ashamed. And so our hope and prayer is that through the story, and it's confirmed by her mother, I spent three days with her mother, that they will hear her story and they will be convicted and inspired to not be ashamed of the name of Jesus in an environment that's antagonistic to his presence. And so we are hoping and praying that there will be hundreds, thousands, millions of people, students, and those who love them, youth pastors, moms, grandmas, will leave that and be able to develop a lifestyle of, I am not ashamed of the name of Jesus Christ. And the young people, they will become the next missionaries, the next pastors, the next radio DJs, the next podcast reporters, the next politicians, 
living out the value that they have in their hearts. And if we can do that, we have created a movement in America. And that's why we've opted to go and sell this movie directly to communities. Hollywood doesn't have one penny of this money. The movie is owned by the ministry, First Party Global. And so what happens when all the revenue comes in and all the bills are paid, the money goes back into the ministry to continue their work reaching youth and families the world over. That's the thing that captures my heart. Not only serving those middle and high school students and those who love them, but being able to reinvest that capital into the kingdom ministry of people who know how to reach others for Christ. Wow, that's that's great. And uh, we we definitely want to do our part to help that happen. You know, so much of what you're talking about um, today is part of the vision that led me to start speaking for him in 2009. Um, I really had a burden to see Christians live like Christians, to see them, you know, it says in, in 2 Thessalonians, I believe it is, where our theme verse is drawn from, it talks about walking worthy of the calling that we've been given, living life's worthy of the gospel. And there are so many people that name the name nominally of Christ. But when it comes to some of these polarizing issues of our culture, like the issue of human life or the issue of the sanctity of marriage, nobody wants to take a stand. They are content right. to blend in with the world and still call themselves believers. But right. Jesus said to come out from among them and be separate. He said to count the cost. He said to take up our cross daily and to follow him. And that's what we try to encourage people to do uh, um, through this Speaking for Him podcast. And I'm so grateful um, for the management of JQ for allowing me to do this show and for, oh, yeah. for Adam who works people. with me on it so that we can get this message out. And uh, uh, I'm just so thankful that we can talk to you about uh, this film. And uh, so... Is there anything... Yeah, can I add one more thing? Yes, absolutely. I'll try to answer your question directly. How can people help, okay? Here's how we're marketing this movie. We've divided the country in ten divisions, all right? Okay. And if you're, anyone's familiar with the National Network of Youth Ministries, it's that map. And we have regional directors. We actually call them regional messenger man managers. We have state messenger managers, and then we have community messengers. A community messenger would be one in Grand Rapids who has a passion to share this message in the community. And so they would then commit to uh, marketing this to up to 25 venues. A venue is a theater, a church, or a school, or any other place where you can show a movie. And we do it in this way. It is a prepaid ticket concept. 400 tickets at $10 each is $4,000. And so for $4,000, they then can take the movie. We will stream it to the theater. We'll give them the right kind of format for the church or for the venue. And then they have at least 400 tickets, okay, to promote the movie. And if they want to go beyond that, 
that's that's all right too. And what comes with that is a complete promotional uh, kit of posters and all kinds of ideas to market the movie. So here, here are some examples where the movie might be shown. It could be shown at a church. And so the question would be, how do we get $4,000? Well, you put a sign-up sheet at the back of the church, like we did for Passion of the Christ, and people sign up either to sponsor a $10 ticket or to buy one. And Or there may be a businessman who says, you know, I don't have a lot of time, but I, I have money. Here's $4,000. Go find somebody that, that will do this. Okay? So we are looking for those venues, okay, to show this movie so we can gather people. And here is the magnificent outcome of this. Imagine your community showing it, at least 400 people. There are 24,999 other communities showing it at the very same time on April 20th, 2016. That date is important because that is the 17th anniversary of the Columbine shooting and a story about a 17-year-old girl who gave her life for Jesus Christ. So that means if God allows us to do 25,000 communities, that means on one night we have 10 million people listening to this message. And imagine if only 1 million of them get excited about it, and they decided to live their life unashamed of Jesus. We have accomplished them. And Rachel, in the early trailer, if you watched it, she said these hands one day are going to touch millions of people. Now, she already has through her website and all other kinds of things. But our mother believes that she prophetically prophesied this movie. By the way, if you watch the trailer, that little girl is Michael W. Smith's granddaughter. And by the way, we have some very interesting people playing in the movie. Sandy Robertson, her mother, um, Jody Foster, okay? Uh, never can say the singer's name. Jackie Valez or is Nick, Nick in the um, in the uh, the band. You know, I, I'm a Gaither guy. I never can remember these cool bands, you know. But she she's in the movie. We and a lot of people that you'll recognize from TV and so on. The person playing playing Rachel, her name is Massey, and she's a worship leader from Atlanta, Georgia. Looks a lot like Rachel. And so your listeners can do get a lot more information about this movie by going to our Facebook page. And um, the other thing, we have launched our whole campaign with Charisma Magazine in the, in the uh, August issue, a full-page ad. And the whole intent of the ad is for a person to go to our website, imnotashamed.com forward slash messengers. And that's where you can sign up to become a part of helping us put this in communities all over America. And so that's my objective, to be able to find 1,000 people in America who will market this to 25 venues so God can do his work. And we will definitely be praying for that, and we will definitely include 
all of these links that you mentioned on our blog that is tied in with the podcast and and make sure that it's available. Um, so when you, uh, if you're listening to this podcast, just click on over to the blog for the episode. I am not ashamed. And that will give you the information that you need to follow up. And hopefully Adam and I, along with a bunch of other people throughout the United States, will be sitting in some venue or another on April 20th of next year and enjoying this film and sharing it with others. And the hope is also that we will come back into the studio and review the film as well um, so that hopefully it continues its distribution even beyond that one night. But we're definitely looking forward to it. And we thank you for uh, taking the opportunity to spend some time with us, let us know about some of the details and the distribution plan. It sounds like um, they have some people with clout that have agreed to help with this project. And that's, that's an exciting yes. thing too. Um, because sometimes you, yes. you don't realize how far reaching a message like that can get just by the, by that, you know, not that we that's should, look, not that we should look to, to celebrities primarily, but God has given many of these people platforms that we don't have. So it's great that that's they true. are willing to use that for God. Um, it's, it's just like you are willing to use your platform right here in your podcast for well, God. Well, absolutely. You made the same decision. Yeah, and absolutely. I mean, I, I, I think that that is such an interesting thing, too, because when I when I got first got involved at the radio station, I, had, I didn't even have a vision for this podcast, but I think God even did at that point, and he was preparing me for it. So I'm very thankful Amen. for that. Um. Before we end, I just have a couple uh, more quick questions for you. First of all, sure, yeah. as, as you're working through this project, or maybe just as you're going through your life working in ministry and helping youth and things of that nature, do you have a favorite Bible verse that kind of is a is a motto to live by or something that you encourages you through your daily life? If we walk in the light of He is in light, we have fellowship one with another in the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from all sin. Amen. And that is... I think it's in John 1, 9 or 1, 7 or 1. Of, yep. My name is John, and I think it is. That is that is my favorite verse. And we will have the exact reference on the blog along with the other details we talked about. And then as we close today, um, do you have any any further advice for anyone who is trying to figure out maybe God's place for them in his vision of the world how would one go about seeking god's will just some quick advice that you might have okay well um first of all i think we have to realize that god has a great plan for our life but the devil does too and so every decision we make supports either the devil's plan or our plan god's plan and that's this one fact to realize. And the other thing, to see God's for will for your life, God is always preparing you for the next thing. God, every experience I have had, God has prepared me for this moment in time. Because every skill that's required, I have, I have experienced and used. 
primarily the secular, secular market. So my advice is, is to walk in the Spirit and every day ask God, Lord, what do you want me to do today? Because you know, Adam, if everybody would respond to what God wants them to do, then his whole plan would work together mm-hmm. and, co- and cooperate with each other. And I think with that kind of process, God then has the openness and our permission to lead us into the direction that he wants to go. And that, that, would, be, that would be my comment and my advice. Well, thank you, John. That, that's really good advice. And I, I think that's so important, too, because we often look at what other people are doing and we're like, I, man, I wish I could do that. And not realize the the circle, the sphere of influence that God has given us ourselves, that He wants us to do. That's right. And because because the Bible says in in uh, Romans or Ephesians chapter two verse ten that we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for works that He has before ordained that we should do. And you know we yeah. can all take that personally that He has work for each of us to do. Well, thank you so much. For joining us today, John. Thank you, folks. I hope that you have enjoyed this discussion. I hope I that have. you. This has really been fun and interesting. Um, now, uh, uh, I can, if people want to contact me, hey, you can. I don't care who calls me. Six one six four eight one seven eight three three. Well, there you have it. Make sure that you contact John somehow. Um, get involved in this project. Uh, if you know of a venue that would be good. To have it, let him know, and, and we'll help you. Yeah, and per and he and he will help you fill it. I'm very excited about Amen. this. I'm very excited for April 20th of next year now because this this could turn out to be a a monumental, life changing experience, yes. not just for individuals but for the entire United States, and especially as we're going into uh, another great period of. Uh, political change uh, i mean in our country we, we really need more than that a spiritual change which will then hopefully drive some of those other changes in our culture um and i really thank you once again for your time folks i hope okay that, thank you man i folks i hey, hope Ad, that, hey adam it's good to hear your voice again man <laughs> hey it's always good to hear yours too john thanks for everything you're doing folks i hope that you All really right. enjoyed this uh podcast i hope that you'll share it with your friends Please take advantage of the links that will be on the blog for the episode uh, title, I Am Not Ashamed. And please make sure that you give us any feedback at the end of the show with the contact information that's about to roll. That's about all I have for this week. But until next week, keep serving the best of masters. Thank you for listening to today's episode. Your host has been Andrew Gomison founder of Speaking for Him, alongside his co-host and executive producer, Adam McNutt. For more information on today's show and to leave us comments and voicemails, visit speakingforhim.blogspot.com. You can find Andrew's ministry at speakingforhim.com. That's speaking, the number four, H-I-M. You can also interact with us at facebook.com slash speakingforhim and on Twitter at speakingforhim. And when you look for us on iTunes and Stitcher, let us know what you think of the podcast by leaving a rating and review.